my guest today and I'm so excited, actually like quite humble to have Lynn on today. Just for a little background, Lynn is the founder and CEO of Society9, a modern women's sports brand providing boxing gear and sportswear to empower every women's fight. She was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 in retail and e-commerce for the class of 2018 and Portland Business Journal's 40 Under 40 for 2017. She's passionate about doing everything in her power to encourage all self-identified women to own their strength in order to unlock their fullest potential. And Lynn is not only a friend, she's a confidant, and she curated and carefully crafted all of the boxing gloves for Box and Flow. I personally only wear Society9 gloves um, because they make me feel strong and confident. So let's talk all of those things and the women that we are. Welcome Lynn to the show. Lynn is a founder of Society9, which is my favorite boxing brand. I literally have not only my own gloves, but my gyms only carry Society9. My gyms only carry Society9. And um, OG supporter, what can I say? We appreciate it. Yeah, they're but they're just badass, best best in the biz. So much, uh, so much passion and so much respect for you. Um, so I, I guess just start introduce yourself. Who are you? What is Society Nine? When did you start? All that stuff. Um, yeah. So hi everyone. Um, my name's Lynn. I'm the founder of Society Nine. We're a modern uh, women's sports brand providing quality boxing gear and sportswear, uh, including footwear now which we'll get into of course um to empower you in your fight um and thank you Liv for the kind words uh for anyone who's listening slash watching uh she's been a a very strong supporter since the beginning and we're super grateful for that um so I started the company in 2015 um technically but in my head I started it really more like 2013 because I used to teach kickboxing and my background is in Krav Maga Um, I had my brown belt at the time and a lot of my students who majority were uh, women would always ask me for good glove recommendations and I realized because I have tiny hands I didn't have good recommendations for them because all I could find were the pink gloves the low quality pink gloves um and i was wearing unisex quote-unquote gloves but i always just had issues with feeling comfortable inside the glove like fitting it right like you you think about putting on a shoe and you want it to fit like a glove right the saying as the saying goes but with a lot of gloves you wouldn't get that close to knuckle feeling that allows you to close your fist really nice and tight which is actually the first step to prevention for injury because your hands a bunch of tiny tiny bones um I used to have to double wrap my hands and stuff because my hands are so small. Um, So fast forward, started developing a glove by pulling together a couple hundred women for a focus group just to get a sense of like fit preferences and sizing. Um, And that's what informed the design of our first product, which is the glove that we're most known for, the Baya Boxing Glove. Um, We launched on Kickstarter in 2015 with that product, which funded our first purchase order. And that's, we're now in year five, which feels like it's been an eternity just because of like everything we've gone through but I just have to keep telling myself like we're still young we're still learning we're still a small team we're a team of four um and we do everything from clean the toilets to box up your packages to social media everything so so beyond I mean like I love how it started and the thought about it and the teaching and the gloves and the bones and all that but like your brand stands for so much more than just a boxing glove that was fit for women what like tell me about 
what does it stand for? Because I think that's what spoke to me most. I found you on Instagram. I'd seen another brand out there. And first I was drawn to your colors because I was in the middle of um, creating the brand for Box and Flow. And I had this like idea of like oxblood and gold and green and like varsity. And it was ironic because I saw this glove brand that literally like was so aligned with not just the mission, but also like the colors. So, um, tell me, and that's when I realized that it wasn't really about the glove, even though that's the product, what, what is society nine stand for? Well, I appreciate your acknowledgement of that. Cause like we put as much time and effort into our product as we do our messaging. Cause I always felt like I didn't want to start something, um, that didn't have meaning beyond the product. Um, and especially for me, when I used to teach, um, I used to be, and I still am, we still are as a business now. It's just more for me as an instructor to now um, being a you know a company and a brand. But at the time when I was an instructor, I just remember being, and I, and I know you as a gym owner, you're in this position too, where it's like, you're the keeper of so many people's secrets, their stories, their journeys, their vulnerabilities. I mean, your blog, and your posts and your personal brand are, are so much uh, focused on the same thing, which is why I think we're very aligned in the way we think about um, celebrating celebrating people as they are, mm-hmm. you know, and celebrating people where they are at on their journey versus saying you need to be one thing or the other. Um, so going back to like the name Society Nine, I mean the name itself pays homage to Title Nine, which really was the actual ushering uh like, you know, the law which if, if anyone who's listening watching doesn't know what title nine is it's literally the law that al- that passed in 1972 so it wasn't even that long ago but it was the law that allowed for women to go to college first of all so shared educational spaces but then also it opened up a gateway for women to participate in collegiate athletics as well as high, you know high school athletics which that leads into a pathway for professional and amateur sports. So then when you're thinking about recreational fitness and stuff, there was no mix of genders at all until really uh, Title IX. It, it really ushered in a new era. So our name pays homage to the people who fought for that and what we're, as a community, so that includes you, Liv, you know, and your community at Fox and Flow, but it's speaking to what we as women, as well as the men who support us, um, what we're trying to usher in moving forward was just that, that continued fight of, we all deserve to be here, we all deserve to own and, and be a part of the space. Um, and that, that ownership is anywhere, whether it's the ring, the gym, the moment you leave, um, and that's so the spirit a, we want to encourage. And so as a woman, and so your brand is, you have yet to like, I mean, men can wear your gloves, but it's very much female focused, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was obviously because you have a deep connection to female empowerment, yes? Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Yeah, tell me more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate like the men who do wear our gloves because they like the look, they like the feel, you know, it's... I call it the Goldilocks problem. Like you can't tell someone how good something does or doesn't feel. I mean, we did our best, right? In, in having a focus group and making certain design decisions the way that we did. Um, but we always know, even with our shoe now, we always know that unfortunately there are gonna be people that we can't make happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the product side. Uh, but answering your question about empowerment. Yeah, I, I, think, I think women's empowerment is a multi-layered intersectional topic and issue, you know, with the social justice movement going on right now with Black Lives Matter, as well as the unearthing of 
a lot of racial and gender inequities that are being exposed now, right, in every facet, every corner. I think it's really important to acknowledge that empowerment looks differently for different people. Um, and also, like, both my brand, your brand, like, we have our own way of telling a story about women's empowerment and how people choose to connect with that emotionally is their choice. Mm -hmm. And I think the only thing that our brands can do is to usher in the narrative that we know is most authentic to us. Right. And I think, I mean, even that in itself is empowerment, right? Like you as a woman business owner are empowered to tell that narrative. I, as a woman business owner, am also empowered to tell our version of a narrative, but the intersectionality of that and why, you know, you and I get along so great and why we, when we talk about our visions, like we're always like, Oh yeah, I totally feel you. And we, I totally see you. It's because there's a common, shared sense of values and i think that's what empowerment should be about is not that your idea is exactly the same as mine it's more like do we share the same values if we do then yeah any new idea whether it's mine or yours or different ideas they can all come together because of that alignment totally and i think just like even taking it one step back because we see each other regardless even we even share the same values at least like you can see the other person and respect that they have values they might not always yeah. be yours and um i appreciate that i think empowerment is such a it's such a general word but it can be incredibly specific when it comes down to the sharing of the values but high level it's that you're empowered enough to have values in itself you know that you're not swayed by other people's opinions or beliefs of you or of anything else you really yeah. stand tall so with that said rewinding back to you started society nine you were a teacher you saw there was a need in the market and you know, has your vision shifted? I'm not talking product line wise. I'm, I'm talking you as a person. You started, you were probably gung-ho like I was, ready, bold, a little bit scared, but unafraid at the same time. And this is really a conversation about the mantra that I speak to so fluidly, flow through the fight, finding yeah. through resistance. And I think as a woman, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, we happen to be in the fight game and whatever iteration, but totally. tell me about that that journey for you, where you started, where you are, um, and I guess your experience thus far, not even just as a woman, but just as Lynn. That's a heavy question. I'm <laughs> I never said this is gonna be small talk, Lynn. <laughs> uh, I know. That, but that speaks, that's the testament to our relationship. Like we're, we're rarely, you know, froofy surface level people. Like you and I always get down to the brass brass emotional and human tax, which is why I appreciate our friendship. Um, I mean, the journey has been hard, just, I mean, plain and simple, but it's also been so rewarding. And I think um, it's put me in a place where I've had to do so much self-work in a very short amount of time um, that I don't necessarily know that I would have gotten just going through like a general corporate, I'm not, not, not talking bad about people who have that career path, right? But just, um, I think if I went through a traditional professional career path, I don't know that I would have had so much self-reflection to mm -hmm. be totally honest. I mean, when you're responsible for people's livelihoods, you know, and payroll, and then, you know, in our case, because we serve our customers, um, I think that sense of duty and responsibility to all these tranches of people and communities of people in the realm of society nine, but like ultimately it's me. Like I'm the one saying, Hey team, uh, you know, our marketing needs to go this way or like, Hey team, we need to change this product because this is happening. It's like, there's humans on the other side, receiving the product, receiving the Instagram post receipt. So 
because of that, that it's really required me to build the biggest muscle of all, which is an empathy muscle. Mm. I've always been pretty empathetic. I was raised Buddhist as a kid. And one of the things I really appreciate about Buddhism is how much it trains and teaches you about empathy. Um, I mean, a lot, all of the philosophy around Buddhism is so heavily rooted in in empathy. And a lot of other religions do too, to a degree, but I don't, I, I don't think they do it as well as Buddhist teachings, to be totally honest. But, that, but anyway, um, but I think empathy is something that I do consider a superpower. I'm not perfect. I am fallible. There, I'm, I can be, I've had instances where I've had to be ruthless because I was put in a position where I felt like that was the only course of action I needed to take was to say, you know what? Gloves are off. Like, we're going to like bare knuckle fight this bullshit that you're throwing my way or whatever there's been few which is good but but i think that's um you're human that's duality right so with that said so i mean in terms of the amount of self-work you've put in in a short period of time um i want to i want to ask like what did that look like what did it look like? Is it the con- constant introspection of like, I have this responsibility, I have this duty as a boss, as a mentor, as a friend, as a an owner. So how can I, you know, switch my perspective around all of these situations so that I'm not always bare knuckle fighting? Or was well, it you finding, you know, quiet time for you so you can shut down and find empathy for yourself so that you can be a better boss? Like, what is it just that constant checking in because, you know, I think that self-work is, it's my work, it's my mission, it's what I teach. But I think for you to, to have said just off the bat, it's that self-work, when did, when did that happen? Was it from day one or, or how did that happen? I definitely say it was from day one just because it's always actually been in my nature. But I just mean like starting a business was an accelerant to really be like, girl, you got to figure out your demons way faster. Right. Because there are literally other people on the line. Um, I like what you said on the latter point, though, in terms of like the self-work, the self-work being beneficial to me. So like it's selfish inherently, right? Because you're trying to make yourself feel better and, and be a better person as a result. But by doing that, by spending more quiet time, which I definitely do, like I, I'm actually an introvert by nature. I do much better with intimate one-on-one relationships. Um, and I'm also okay in my solitude in general. Like I'm definitely okay being independent, which I think has helped because then I, I am spending that time, that quiet time asking myself like, man, what did I do wrong here? Or could I have done this better? Or like, I, I'm really not liking how this situation or this person is making me feel like I really need to tap into that. So I'm very, I consider myself very self-aware, which is, I, I do, I do consider a gift. I will say that, um, I think one of the hardest things though, is I, a lot of people have to check their ego and surround themselves by no people. And not no as in like just killjoys. That's not what I'm saying either. But it's like I think about a lot of the mentors I have, they are not yes people. And that has helped keep me in check too and to be a better leader, a manager, a person all around. Um, so considering I, all the no, and I think that that's really strong because I, I always say that I've, 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 become, I've come in contact with two types of leaders. One that... Um, really surrounds themselves with like strong people so that they can teach learn from them and then there's a very specific leader who i've also had too much contact with um 
to name a few, not just one person, but that only surround themselves with followers because they can't, they can't handle being challenged. And so, you know, they're always pushing people down so they can stay up here. So I think that the best leaders learn from people who say no, because then you're always, there's always room to grow. But in that, being surrounded by no people that make you stronger, is there empathy within? Has the self-work you've done given you enough space in the quiet time or otherwise to be like, you got this, it's cool, or you constantly bare knuckle fighting yourself? Um, In the early days, that bare knuckle analogy, like against myself, like I would say the first two or three years of the business was pretty intense. Mm. I like, and it's still a continued work in progress, of course. I think I could still continue to be nicer to myself. I think we all can. That's the hundred percent. Um, yeah. Unless you're like point blank, period, a narcissistic sociopath. Like, I, <laughs> I definitely feel like I'm still working on that. But the, the way that I used to like torture myself mentally, mm-hmm. like the first three years of the business, so different than like where I'm at now. And I, I just, I think it came down to a, a choice, right? And realizing that if I keep on being this mean to myself and this critical, then I'm not going to be a very strong person, uh, mentally strong too for my team. And then like, it makes making decisions hard. It makes, it makes everything harder. Um, if you don't respect yourself, yeah. How could your team respect you? I mean, at the end of the day, like that's, and I, I'm, I love that you said that because I learned that the hard way too. I think, um, you know, being a leader and being a woman and being, there's probably a perfectionist part of you. Yes. Oh, I think so. I, I, I definitely think so. I would say you probably feel the same way about your 100%. own self. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's what, so just in like seeing you and seeing me, there's, I, I, I would agree with you that the, the learning, the constant learning and literally what I built the brand, my brand, my class on is again, this idea of flow through the fight, finding ease through resistance, because as you said, like bare knuckle fighting yourself, the, you're, you're really fighting yourself. The fight is within. And I think that mm-hmm. when you're, when you're constantly banging your head against the wall, there is no room for love of self or love of anyone else because you're constantly judging yourself for what you're not, as opposed to what you are. And I think yeah. in business or in life, particularly as a woman and a strong woman, like I, I would like to say, we're not just women, we're strong women, we're driven women, we're, we're humans, forget even women. Yeah. Um, but that I found is a blessing and a curse because there in my younger years had been less opportunity or less, less empathy for myself, which, which brought me to where I am, but also held me back from where I could have been. Oh, totally. I, I, I mean, I definitely get that. There are times where I think back to, you know, my college years, early twenties, mid twenties, um, realizing, I mean, until I really started training and then teaching and then having the sport really morph me spiritually and mentally to have that resilience, to have that, uh, gutsiness, assertiveness, all that stuff. Like until I really, uh, owned that part of myself through the training experience. I think back to the many times where I just didn't assert what I believed in. I didn't assert myself. Like I didn't claim my space, whether it was physical or just like my deserving of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, asking for opportunities, demanding a certain pay 
or whatever. Um, when I think back to the salaries that I made early on in my career, um, I realized I never put up a fight. I never said, you know, is there any way, like this is actually what the market salary is. I know I'm new, can we meet in the middle? I mean, just simple stuff like that, right? Like, I just was like, okay, well, asking I- Asking for what you want. Asking for what you want, yeah. And um, and I, I and I think that is something, I won't wanna say it's a regret, but it's like what you're saying, when you think back to where we as individuals have evolved, uh, meaning like me and you, but then also where culturally we've evolved, um, for, you know, women business owners and women in general to realize that there's a new future that we can write together, you know? Was, um, there, a, was there a specific catalyst? Like, I when I look, I'll give you an example. When I look at, and I, I think that there's catalysts always, even like now, I'm, who knows what tomorrow brings, but, you know, like me starting my business was me finally like, like releasing any judgment I had of self or any fear of comparison to a certain extent and saying like, this is me, I'm gonna be vulnerable, I'm gonna be who I am. If you if you don't accept that, like that's okay, I'm still here. Like I really had to shed the job description, shed the ex-boyfriend, I had to drop everything and really stand tall. Was there a mm-hmm. catalyst for you um, that sort of led you into starting your business or along the way that, that you can really pinpoint and say like, where you found ease through all of this resistance that really created change or something traumatic, tra- whatever it is. Was, was there something that stands out? Uh, actually, yeah. Uh, I. First of all, you're asking great questions. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, 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 no, I, you're I, such thinkers. I like it, you know? Um, I... Yeah, there's one experience in particular, and it was early on. We had already fulfilled Kickstarter. We were still young, though. We were like, well, we're still young. The business is still young. But like, it was like year one or two. So it was still like, very early on in the game. And um, we had an investment group that had approached us that was interested in investing, which I, I of course, as an entrepreneur who like, definitely believes in this business, believes what it can grow into and, you know, envisioning our brand being not just boxing, boxing's our roots, but like, we're definitely, I mean, the shoe was a first gateway into doing more and showing that we're capable of doing more. But anyway, at the time, I, I definitely saw it as an awesome opportunity. So did the whole meeting thing, courtship, talking back and forth, sending pitch decks, whatever. Then I realized they were starting to ask me really dumb questions, even after like we had spent weeks of courtship, essentially. Mm-hmm. Dumb questions like, well, so can you tell me like how it is or why it is that women would want a box? That just seems like a weird thing to become popular all of a sudden. And like, and the, the, the way that they were asking it wasn't like this objective market analysis, which even so it's like, who cares? Women like it now, so what, you know, like, but I, but the questioning was more of one of like, why would any woman want to box, which is mm. different. There's like a clear distinction. And so I realized as the line of questioning went from like, oh, conversations were progressive or progressing, I should say, to now it's like, why are we having philosophical conversations about this? If you really believe in what we do, believe in me, believe in the vision, we shouldn't be having these philosophical conversations because your interest meant that you already accepted this is the new world we are in. And so as soon as I realized that, I actually called up one of my mentors, who's like an older, he's like a brother to me, who has experience being an entrepreneur, sold, sold businesses successfully, failed businesses. And I was like, yo, what do I do? Because as an entrepreneur, I want to grow the business. So the capital 
mean something. But I was like, I don't want to like marry quote unquote this group. If they're asking me dumb questions, it's not like I ask why men play golf. That's the equivalent question. Why do women want to box? I would say the same thing. Why do men want to play golf? I hate golf, (laughs) you know? So he was like, you need to say no. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you need to reject the capital. Mm. And I was like, uh, and he was like, trust me when you do it, you're going to feel loads different and they're going to respond to you differently. And I was like, okay. So I, so I took his lead. I trusted him, sent an email and I said, you know, Hey, really appreciate your interest at this time. We've actually decided to change strategically where we're going. And so, um, we're closing our round. Hmm. I'm telling you the next day I get phone calls, I get voicemails, I get text messages saying, Hey, can, can we actually come back to the table? Like it was literally like playing hard to get the whole psychology was there exactly the way my mentor said it would play out. And so saying no was the first time I felt really empowered. Like, okay, stick to my voice, stick to my authenticity. Did you end up taking their money? Huh? Did you end up taking their capital? No. Okay. Good for you. I give that so much credit. I think even when you said like the, the soft philosophical questions they were asking you, it sounds like it was from such a place of not even ignorance. Cause yes, ignorance, but judgment. Like yeah, I mean, exactly in a place of like, I don't know about you. You know, I just, I had never taken outside investment. I had bootstrapped self-funded until yeah. I opened this flagship studio, which I can't wait for you to see because your shoes will look so good in here. Like the gloves are so, it's just sexy. It's so aligned. I can't wait to do an event together. But with that said, yeah. I took on an, an investment from my old boss, which was amazing. But before that I was, I had courted a bunch of investors and it was typically finance guys with money um, and who wanted to be a check. And I was always very clear that I wanted an operational partner. I didn't just want to check because I'm not just that they were finance guys or whatever else. I, I felt that there was such a, there was such a detachment of what my mission and message was and what they were bringing to the table. Not that they didn't bring acumen and, and experience to some extent and money, but it was like, do you actually see me? Because how can you be on my team? How can I stand in that decision to make you a part of this mission if you don't see the value of it, if it's just a return on an investment? And I think, you know, money is such, it's such an elephant in the room. It's such an uncomfortable conversation in so many ways. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you, will you feel good with this money in your pocket? Or is it like you're, you're being owned by something that isn't, isn't like aligned with what you stand for at all. And, and I think that the power of saying no is so much greater than the power of saying yes. And I'm learning that in my personal life and my professional life more and more because people pleasing can only get you so far. And there's a part of us as women that for whatever reason, we've been ingrained to whatever extent to say yes. And um, mm-hmm. I am so empowered by saying no. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because as women, we have a more natural nurturing instinct. And that nurturing instinct is like, yes, of course, I'll help you. Or like, yes, like, yes to everything. It is it is ingrained in us, in our DNA, our personality types, because like the, the motherly instinct, right? But I, that time that I said no, I... I like what you said earlier about like you sense that from those potential investors, a sense of detachment from their check, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like, here you go and like, call me back when like, I'm actually making money now. And it's like, that means principally and philosophically, like we're not aligned. Like 
why should I be reporting to you, talking to you, spending time with you if you don't see time spent with me, the business of value to you? Like that's not what I'm here for, right? So I think that that time that I said no, it stuck with me and it still sticks with me. Anytime I am faced with a situation where I'm like, gosh, and I don't mean investment opportunity. I mean, in general, like, you know, you're asked all these questions you're asking me is about like, what about, where are all the different points where you learn something you evolved or I would say that experience in particular, literally is still the energy, so to speak, that I tap from that moment. Every time I'm in an instance where I'm like, yeah, no thanks. You know, um, I, was, I love, I was literally that one word in my head is energy when it comes to it. It's like, you know, what you feed feeds you. So mm-hmm. like, I think like, as you said, like saying no to me, it's, it's not business, it's life. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was on a date last night or I was on a date. I'm not going to say specifics, but the other week and there, and there, <laughs> there, there was a conversation and it was so interesting because I've had recent experiences with a man who's like so empathetic and so open and the dialogue is so fluid. And he, he asks me more questions than I asked him, which was revolutionary because I feel like I'm always the one that's pulling out of, you know, suitors. And then as opposed to a a recent casual dinner and I don't think he didn't ask me one question, not about what I did. And it was like, I was just listening to him talk the whole time and it was so one-sided and it was so detached from actual like connection and energy. So just from that like perfect example, which you could correlate to business relationships, personal relationships, any conversation, it's like, do you want to enter into whatever connection, even a conversation with someone who doesn't want to hear what you have to say Mm -hmm. and then only hears you when you say no. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think there's a real distinction. And I, I, I mean, I use the word energy all the time. Like when I'm, you know, entering into like a new vendor relationship where, or, or a new opportunity or whatever. The first thing I always ask myself mentally is how do I feel about the energy of the situation? Because if there's anything I've learned the last five years of doing this is like, and I would bet that you probably feel the same way. If you feel like something's off in your gut, guaranteed something's up. Like 100%. every single time. And when I think, which I won't name the instances here, but the times where like some terrible situation happened with Society Nine, there was always a gut instinct about either the situation or the person at the time of just like, should I? And then I talk myself into it. I'm like, well, let's let's give it a shot. You know, like. Should have listened to myself. <laughs> totally. And I think that's, it's such a double-edged sword because you talk about energy and connection, but empathy, right? And nurture, mm-hmm. and you want to see the good. You want to see the positive. You want to be open to the potential of something. But then there's such an honesty. And I, I teach this in my class. I, I just taught this afternoon. And I speak so much to the gut because it literally holds your intuition. It holds your, it holds your intention. It holds your truth. And like, even physically, nutritionally, like if your gut is, is, you know, tainted in whatever ways, like you can't trust yourself. You can't feel you're not connected to your core. And I think that there's such a strength in, in knowing that, you know, yourself, but also a strength in being open to not knowing. Right. So that you you take risks. Right. But you know, the, the push pull of like, you know, fight and flow resistance and ease, like, Oh, I'll try this. But like, no, I need to trust myself. Like when you can lean in and lean out because you also don't want to get stuck in the fear of giving something a chance, right? Like I think being open is an energy too, but 
you know, I would love to say that that's something for me that I've learned over the course of these years since I've started my business or otherwise. It's learning to trust yourself, but also like really picking up on energy. And I think the only way you can pick up energy is if your energy is clear, if you're, you have clarity, right? If you can embrace the quiet and, um, yeah, and, and slow down. Would you say that since you've started, your business has grown tenfold, obviously, but have you sped up as a human or slowed down? Like, are you naturally, I know you're naturally effervescent and, and full of energy, but, and similar to me, an introvert in a lot of ways, but um, have you found calm in all of this? Ebb and flow? Yeah, it's fun. that's a good question because actually, and this is even pre-COVID. So like, you know, the beginning of this year, which was marked exactly year five for us, I feel like I've actually slowed down for sure. And part of the slowing down isn't because, oh, like, is the business slowing down? It's like, no, quite the contrary. It's because I've gotten better at my practice of saying no to things, first and foremost. And then also being okay with saying, okay, this time right here is for me. So whether it's a three hour chunk of time where it's like, if you contact me, I won't be getting back to you for a hot minute. Um, Or it's just, you know, no distractions during this time or any, anything, just like I'm better at setting boundaries and just saying, this is for me. Cause like the truth is there truly is nothing more important enough other than family, honestly, family and like close friends and the safety of my employees, of course, but there is nothing more important that can't wait till tomorrow. Mm. Like I've learned that, you know? Um, and, uh, I I feel like that's allowed me to come across even a lot more calm. I mean, the pe- there's people in my life who've known me for years and have known me through the Sinai journey so far and all that kind of stuff. And especially like people who I haven't seen, let's say, again, this is pre-COVID, but people who I saw towards the end of last year, for example, so 2019 and, and even early this year, you know, January, February, some of those people who I hadn't seen for at least a year or several months prior would say to me, man, you seem like mad chill lately, even though, you know, we were getting ready to launch our shoe and like things were crazy and all that kind of stuff. But they would, you know, they would say, man, you just seem like you've got, you're just chill right now. How are you chill? Cause you've been working on this thing for two years, the shoe, you know, How do you, and the only reason why is because I have better tools now in my head and in my heart and my energy to, just control the flow a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what does that look I mean, so talking about tool and I, I respect that because same people have like, who are you? Cause I used to be so anxious. I, I mean, I could only find common. Girl, I- your schedule is crazy though. Not going to lie. <laughs> just based on your posts. I'm like, what? How are you up at five right now? I'm still not a five AM or I'm like a five forty-five. That's I'm, about but now I'm like a five thirty, which for me is like astounding. But not even that. It's the astounding, it's that I can go to bed at ten thirty now and like have a life because I used to be so rigid or be able to just fall asleep at eight o'clock. But so with that said, tell me like how have you found more calm or more balance or like what is your daily routine or what are the tools that you've tapped into to find more um, calm, more flow? Yeah, I, uh, so, I mean, I would say that these things also were pre-COVID, but they've only been heightened more because of COVID because, yeah, I mean, it's, time is blurry now with COVID. And so, you know, setting boundaries is even more important. Um, but I would say the tools that help me are, some of them are literal. So like, for example, 
I love coffee. I'm not addicted. I have my morning coffee and that's about it. But like the routine of just making coffee, I allow myself that time. I have a playlist I like to play. And I, I specifically wake up early, 5.45, to just have that time to myself so I don't feel rushed running around and trying to get out the door or whatever, you know? Um, so like coffee routine. Yeah. That's like one very small, but simple example of how that's, that helps ground me. Um, I also go through like a mental gratitude exercise. So like when I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth and washing my face, all that kind of stuff, I kind of go through a set of mental motions where I think about like, yeah, I've got to get X, Y, and Z done. And I kind of go through my mental checklist. But then the other things I think about are like, where, what makes me happy right now? What gives me joy? Or what is something that I can do today to like make myself like just look forward to? Sometimes it's work-related. Other times it's something as simple as like, I'm really craving a fried chicken sandwich. I am definitely going to hit up that food cart today. You know, like yeah. it can literally be as simple as that. Um, and it sounds and- like those are tools you practice to, that just force you almost to be present. Because even saying yeah. like, I want a fried chicken sandwich, it's not, you know, that's you really being like, okay, what do I want? What will make me happy right now? Not like what I'm planning for next week. Um, yeah. Which yeah. Is- and, and I think, I think what's important about that too, like the, the fried chicken example is it, this is so corny, but I really love this saying, especially as of lately with like the pandemic and, and all that kind of stuff is just, I, nothing is guaranteed. Hmm tomorrow's not guaranteed. So yeah, if in that very moment, I'm just like, man, I really want that fried chicken sandwich. I'm going to go get it. You know, what's funny is like what triggered that for me, like the whole, like tomorrow's not guaranteed is when I started reading about the fact that like COVID, one of the weird COVID symptoms, not everyone gets it, but like some people lose their sight or a sense of uh, taste and smell. Yeah. You're, you know, you're a chef. Can you imagine? Like, oh, and even like at any second, I think I have it because, like, New York City, I yeah. literally make sure, like, I can smell, I make celery juice every morning, I can smell the yeah. celery, I can taste the ginger. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I think that that's so interesting because just basic senses, like, think about it if you couldn't feel, if you couldn't see, yeah. if you couldn't taste, if you couldn't hear. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's, we, we've become such a fast paced society that has become so obsessed with, with what's next or regretting what wasn't. And Mm -hmm. I think be it COVID or anything else, the, the power to just tap into the now is, is our greatest tool. It's our greatest opportunity. And I think, unfortunately it's, it's, um, it's our farthest reach. Most people have not found the the capacity to just be here. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that more and more in just teaching class because, you know, people can fight for 35 minutes and the the class is based on my own anxious, like nonstop to the beat of the music, like really getting everything out. But once people get on the mat to just feel their heartbeat and give themselves a moment of gratitude and pride for what they've done, they, most people cannot find stillness. It's already onto the next. They've yearned for a break for 35 minutes. And when you finally give it to them, they don't know what to do with it. And it shows me the human condition in such real time. And it's made me want to be better at being here myself. So I think like this mentality of flow through the fight, there's so many things. There's always going to be noise and distraction or something better or a bigger check. But if you actually get tapped into like where you are, who you are, what you want, what you don't, you won't say no when you mean yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You won't say yes when you mean no. You'll you'll be that true to yourself because the fight within, you know, starts to become freer. Right. Yeah. 
So I actually, I should throw in there. You'll be proud of me. Pre-COVID, well, so pre-COVID, but also for like the past year. So up until, you know, gyms and studios closed and stuff like that, I had actually gotten more into yoga, mm-hmm. which personality-wise, I, I, everything that you're saying, I'm like, I was totally that person. Part of the reason why I love boxing, kickboxing, you know, general mixed martial arts, whatever, is because it's just like intense. I love releasing that intense energy and go, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And then I had a mentor convince me to go join her for a yoga class. And like, I'll be honest, my initial thought was like, she's a mentor. She's like a sister to me. Like, this is a, a bonding activity. It was less like, oh, yay, I've always wanted to do yoga. Yeah. But when I started, I'm not going to lie, I became addicted. Like, mm-hmm. I started going more. I'm, I'm doing a lot more breathing and stretching exercises now with like at-home on-demand videos and stuff like that. Um, I am proud of you. Aren't you? I do it more than boxing. Really? Confession. No, I mean, listen, I was, I, I practice yoga every day since I was 15. I stopped when I started my business. I'm just start like I now obviously I box a lot, but, um, that's post COVID too. Yeah. So do you go to, were you going to a studio in Portland before COVID? Yeah, I was going to a local studio, um, and I, you know, fortunately, like the same instructor has been doing like classes, online. Yeah. like on, online and stuff, and so I've been trying to keep up with that. But, um, but yeah, I everything that you're saying about like listening to your breath and taking in the moment, um, regardless of what type of stretch it is or move or, or whatever the instructor's telling you, it's it's I. I I know that I, you know, I'm a boxer through and through and like, that's what I live for. But honestly, like there's something so complimentary about both that I, I should have synergistically seen it before. I mean, I've taken box and flow classes and they're fantastic. For exactly what I, next iteration, Lynn. But it's exactly like the balance that we're talking about here. Boxing and yoga are literally like the perfect juxtaposition of each other because if you want that intensity boxing and you know from a fitness standpoint the cardio anaerobic all that stuff that's all boxing it's awesome for that but then honestly like if you are in any fitness space looking for like presence of moment that's yoga 100 percent. so like that that I call it the bell curve, you know, it's like that bell curve of presence of mind, you know, the, the connecting to your soul, your breathing, that's yoga. And then like you hit the peak boxing, which is your class, essentially. That's exactly what you teach is that that's bell curve. I did this. That yeah. is what, we need a bigger partnership. We need to do something really big. Cause I think that we both, we have such an aligned mission, but I'm so, I'm so glad you, I think it takes recognizing it in yourself to then be able to like, not support it, but understand it and from the outset people don't get the fight and flow thing they don't get the opposition until you find yoga yoga means connection to yoke to bring together but mm-hmm. you can't have connection unless you understand disconnection fight is right disconnection, right and so yep. for me too it's like that adrenaline that aggression that like that focus in the same way but on the total opposite side of the coin but it's still mm-hmm. breath it's still energy it's still movement it's just from a place of of grounding you know i think you know the energy is it's opposite but it's aligned and you really need both the best fighters are dancers the best fighters are breathing as they move they they don't see themselves as like going after someone to kill them or hurt them they see their it's a craft same with yoga it's a craft 
Yeah. Um, so I love that you've sort of found that in your own routine. I think that that's powerful. And if, if I were to guess, it's probably made you stronger at everything that you do. And I don't mean physically. Oh yeah. I mean, like, again, I, I'm like, I, I am laughing because, you know, my younger self from, I mean, not that I'm so old, but just my younger self, like, if you asked me then, would I ever do a yoga class? I'd be like, ah, nah, that's not for me. Not that I hated on anyone who did it. It's just like, oh, no, no, it's not for me, you know? And that, it was that way for years. Hmm. And it was only until I started taking this class, which keep in mind was only a year ago, um, that I really slowed down. I mean, like, you know, we talked about slowing down earlier and, and even though things are moving fast, like I actually slowed as a person and I'm more methodical, I'm more present. And I, I take pauses that are more meaningful. Um, I don't mean just literal breaks, but even like when I'm thinking, when I'm speaking, because yoga breathing helps me do that better. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it definitely changed me, uh, just the same way that boxing changed me. They both changed me in good ways, right? Boxing helped me assert myself, feel strong, literally, mentally, physically, in a way that actually helped me excel career-wise. Mm. Um, and per personally, because I asserted myself in personal relationships. I owned my voice. I owned my truths, you know, whatever. And then yoga balanced that out. So I can, I can be both. That's what I love about being a woman. We can be all these things. So there's, there's a lot of uh, synergy in all these pockets of life. That, and there's duality know. in all of us. You know, I, I would like, I was very hopeful when I started Boxing Flow to not create, I wanted to have a gender neutral brand because I think if anything, we all have fight and we all could use a little bit more flow. And some people have more flow and they need more, they need more fire. So it's really just mm -hmm. about tapping into who you are, what you need in the moment, in the in the future, in the now, in, in the past, like really holistically looking at yourself and saying like, where do I need, you know, more strength, more confidence? Where can I use more ease? Um, which brings me to like final few questions. Like yeah. fundamentally, what do you fight for? What like oh. really gets you going? And I don't mean from a, a um, an angry place, but like like Lynn stands for something bigger than herself. And I knew that from the first time I met you. Still a heavy question, girl. It can go so many ways. Um, <laughs> uh, personally, I mean, I've always said to people, whether it's professionally, investors, my family, my friends, I'm in this just because I really very legitimately want to see people, especially self-identified women, self-identified. I say that because that includes transgender women and includes non-binary individuals who identify as femme, you know, that makes up our customer base. I just really am so motivated and driven to see people really uncover their power and their truth, mm. especially, you know, women, people of color, the black community. I mean, just that the, the general sense of people owning their space, that like you deserve to be here, whatever here is, it doesn't, there's like the gym, very literal, right? That's our brand. We serve product for gyms, for working out, for whatever. And then on the other side, the philosophical, the spiritual side, is just like, I just want you to own you because I know how much boxing, kickboxing, Krav Maga, I know how much all of those things helped me to own me. Mm. And I, I, I 
consider that my spiritual awakening. Like when I discovered that for myself, it was legitimately a spiritual awakening. And I, I just, if nothing else, that's what I want to see is I really just want to see people be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. This is who I am. Like, this is who I am. And I, yeah, I deserve to be here. I deserve to say these things. I deserve to advocate for what I need. I deserve to advocate for myself. Those are all huge. And you can't, it's more, it's like what you said. It's not about like being the crap out of someone. It's not, it's the sense of ownership, like self ownership. Um, and you know, it was really rewarding for me to see that as an instructor. And so when I felt my own spiritual awakening training, and then once I became an instructor and I saw people's own spiritual awakenings happening in front of me week over week, day over day, that's what continues to feed me. So it's, it's funny because like, even though we're a product brand, a lot of times when I look at our you know, customers, our community, I see them like how I saw my students, mm. which is like, I, I just want to see you own your power wherever it is that you are in your community, your worlds. That's all I want to see. Um, so then what's, so with that said, creating this brand around that, what is the future? What is not, I, I forget the future, but like society nine, where you are today, what, what is your goal? I mean, I know, tell me about the shoes and then I don't know. I mean, product wise, I mean, we are, we're already, um, we are concepting out the future. I mean, we've got products that we're developing that are a year, two years out. So, I mean, like in my head, I'm like, we're still going to be here two years from now, like a hundred percent. Now that makes things kind of crazy. Sure. Cause you're like, well, how are you going to survive 2020 with COVID and all that stuff? Like, trust me, I've got stories for days about what the last three months have been like, as I'm sure you do. I mean, like the, for anyone listening or, or, or reading, or not reading, sorry, listening or watching, for any small business owner, the last 90 days have felt like three years of lessons, conde- you know. Liv, you and I can have a glass of wine, we can talk about that, you know. Okay, wait. Um, yeah. <laughs> a bottle but, of wine, yes. Bottles, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, like, so to, sorry, to answer your question, like, we're gonna we're a women's sports brand like we started with boxing we still will make boxing gloves and boxing gear we're not giving that up but like we're ideating products that will take us into the next year two years like and it's gonna morph like we're gonna be a women's sports brand um so the expansion of that the evolution of that uh I'm I'm excited. That's Badass. what keeps me going. I yeah. can't wait to collaborate and give you a hug in person and see no. and grow. I am I am I have so much respect for what you do, what you stand for well beyond the business. I think that you um you have such a strength in parlaying something greater than yourself and for that like mad respect kudos. Dude, um, I- same way about you you know i i really appreciate because here's the thing for anyone listening i really appreciate what you're doing with box and flow because i think that there are a lot of rightfully so with any sport with any culture there's traditionalists and they don't want to see things change Mm. and i think when you introduce box and flow i guarantee you and I, i don't have to tell you twice you live it like you probably still do get haters who are like really boxing and yoga really that seems like some you know weird I'm sure you've gotten any number of those negative you know comments we've gotten the same thing to a different degree of like 
you know, what do they know about boxing gear? What do, I'm like, you're right. I don't. What I know is what I learned and what I experienced through my lived experience. And I can't tell you what that was like, but what I can tell you is the experiences that I lived through, through the women of my community. So like, I, I, the respect is mutual because we're both trying to do things that ultimately make traditionalists or people who have been in the space longer un uncomfortable and judgmental. And we're just here trying to say, look, here's our voice. Other people resonate with our voice and our narrative. And we'll be out here. We're trying to play nice on the playground, you know? Okay. And even, even simpler than that, we're just here to, to, I don't know, potentially force people to see themselves in two totally different ways. My business to me okay. isn't about boxing and yoga. Your business isn't about gloves. It's literally about giving people the opportunity to see themselves. And, yes. Uh, and so to me, it's like anybody that judges anybody else for trying to promote self-awareness and self-love has no love for themselves. And for that, I mean, that's just. That's a, that's a, that's a statement, but I agree with it. <laughs> I'll say it again and again and again, and I will get um, pushback for it always. And I will not retract it ever. In therapy. Yes, I do see a therapist. That's another thing that's helped me slow down. We won't have to get into that. You but one thing, me. Like, but it's, um, yeah. But the, the, the word we use is projection. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good word. That's real. Yeah, it's real. 100%. So, well, with that said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to see your face. I know. It's good to see you too. I'm glad that you said that we were going to have video because I was like, great, I get to see her too. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just also just nice because I feel like if we had wine, it would be cocktail hour, but we'll do that. Um, it's, it's nice to have interesting conversation about things beyond just the current events um, because this yeah. is a current event that will not go away. Self-love is always flowing through the fight. Finding ease over resistance is a day-to-day -day practice and challenge and comes back to your breath and your feet and um and your strength yeah thank so, you for having me thank you um hopefully i'll see you in real life soon i'm yeah i know i'm looking i'm looking at flights i'm looking at safety i have no clue we all don't know when it's gonna happen but i look forward to it when it does happen for sure thank you, thank you so much lynn have a great weekend you too bye, bye.